Amen. Friends, welcome to Carol's 2022 at New Life Brisbane. How good. Why don't you grab a seat? Feel free. And uh, maybe as I'm speaking this afternoon, that sort of half-hearted shout of woohoo. Is anyone else going to say woohoo? Can I say woohoo? Maybe we can do that. Welcome to Christmas Carols 2022 at New Life Brisbane. Come on. How good's that? My name's Alex. I'm the pastor here at New Life Brisbane, and it's my absolute delight just to take a few moments. I give a gift every time at Christmas to New Life Brisbane, and we, that gift is called a short sermon. And so I hope to speak... <laughs> that's right. Everyone feels free to say woohoo to that. We're counting. I heard that. What else will I hear as I preach? As uh, we were singing worship just then, uh, there were some young people down the front dancing. And I was like, oh, man, if, we're, you know, if some of us in the room have a, a charismatic background, that wouldn't be a shock to you. But uh, as, as I preach, you, you're welcome. If there's kids around, feel free to come dance. That's totally fine. We're an intergenerational family. As I said, my name's Alex. If you're new here... Just a warm, very warm actually, but a warm, warm welcome. Thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us. And as we get underway, can I encourage you? I was saying to someone outside earlier this afternoon, I was like, we can actually finally say Merry Christmas to one another, right? Like, is that okay? So why don't you just say Merry Christmas to those around you? Go for it. A few seconds. Merry Christmas. Now, before we get underway, something really important to note is that this afternoon just could not, like, and when I say I, when I say could not, I mean like not an ounce of this afternoon could have happened if it wasn't for the team of people. Now, I was thinking about this. You might be new here and you're thinking, man, there must be a lot of people at this church to pull off such an incredible event. And I'd say, look, we're a pretty average-sized church. We're not a big community. We're a big family. And because we're family, we actually all work together to make events like this happen. And so I just want to make a few shout-outs, special mentions, and take note of the fact that this afternoon could not have happened if it wasn't for the incredible volunteer team. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to say thank you as a community, show some appreciation, but just let me note some people in particular. Aaron, Tim, and uh, the, the worship and creative team all behind me. Uh, they're all sitting in the front two rows. Feel free to say thank you to them after the service. Thank you. This is really helpful too. And a huge, huge mention to Lauren Andrus and the team of volunteers that sweated it out, that made themselves smelly. So if you're sitting next to someone who smells, they'll probably volunteering outside this afternoon. Can we just show our appreciation to those who made the festival happen? Now, I have the privilege right now of sharing 10 minutes worth of sermon, worth of talk, and my hope's really simple. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't grow up in a family that claimed to follow Jesus. And about 15 years ago, I met Jesus, completely changed my life. And the way I celebrate Christmas now as a Christian is just different. Carols aren't something I enjoy singing. It's an expression of my heart. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn I discovered 15 years ago the reason for the season, the story behind the story, the person behind the party that happens every time this year, Jesus. And I want to take 10 minutes just to share some of the things that changed my heart, that allowed me to realize the lyrics of the songs that I was singing each year as carols came around, and allowed me to discover really the meaning, the purpose, the joy and peace of life. 
And to do that, I want to open up a text in one of the biographies of Jesus' life. If you know about the Bible, there's four books towards the back end of the Bible that tell a story about this person named Jesus. There's all this historical evidence that goes into verifying whether these are trustworthy accounts. I spoke a few weeks ago. Uh, you can go to church.nu forward slash Brisbane, look for our podcast on some of the ways in which you might trust those documents. But the biographies of Jesus' life, they're called Gospels, and they claim in being Gospels to tell us good news. And each of them tell the birth story of Jesus because the claim is that in that recording this story, we're not just recording the story of some historical figure. We're not just recording the story of some mythical creature. We're actually recording the story as the carols say it of the new born king. And so we saw it before on the screens. There's these shepherds out there in the fields, the lowest of lows in society. And the angel comes to them And in verse 10 of chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, you'll see it on the screen behind me, says this to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. And I want to zoom in on three phrases in nine minutes now and stir our attention toward the reason for the season. The first thing we see is that it's good news. It's good news. When I was growing up, I wasn't much of a reader. And I slowly discovered that there's different kind of genres that you can read. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yep. There's, there's nonfiction, there's fiction, and there's something else. Nonfiction, I discovered, uh, is like hard to read. It's facts, figures, self-help books, those kinds of things. I was part of the generation that had an encyclopedia on the shelf. It was before Wikipedia existed, I think. Does anyone remember having an encyclopedia on the shelf? Encyclopedia Britannica. And I remember watching my sister pull it off the shelf, sit down and read it. Now, what's, not stra- what's strange about that is not that she read it. What's strange is that she read it for fun. So she picks it up. She's sitting there, her name's Sophie, and she's like, Alex, did you know that humans have four nostrils? And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? It's like, did you know that sh- crocodiles have like eight eyelids? And I was like, where are you getting this? She's like, encyclopedia, nonfiction. You should check it out sometime. I also discovered that there's fantasy, nonfiction. And um, fantasy, I have the claim to fame that the first series of books that I ever read was written by a wonderful lady named Stephanie Meyer. Does anyone know the name of those book series? <laughs> Okay, who's Team Edward? That's right. Who's Team Jacob? I was... Okay, two people are responding. This actually need... this is participatory. You might... This might be your first time in church, but we participate. Who's Team Edward? Okay, wow, you were shyer before. Rightly so, you should be shy about that. Who's Team Jacob? Okay, that's probably half the room. Look, we'll keep working on that. Come back next week and we'll see how the participation goes. First book series I ever read, non-fiction, fantasy. But every single Sunday afternoon, my dad would sit on the back deck and he'd whip out the newspaper and he'd sit there just reading. I was like, why? What's good about this? And as he was reading the news, he would report to me all the things that he'd he'd seen and Arthur wants my Bible. You can take that, buddy. Thank you. Please leave this one here. I need this. Otherwise, I'm going to make up the rest of my sermon and talk for too long. Nonfiction is different from fiction. And fiction's different from news. 
Because news claims that something has happened in the world because of which everything has changed. I'll give you some examples. In 1952, on the 6th of February, Elizabeth Windsor became Queen Elizabeth II. And newspapers all around the world said, Queen Elizabeth is now the new monarch. News that claims something had happened because of which everything had changed. Or, recently I logged on to broadsheet.com.au, a wonderful foodie review place here in Brisbane, and they noted, they declared, they shared news about the fact that Loon Croissant was coming from Melbourne and planting a place here in Brisbane. They've now got two outlets over in South Bank and in Burnett Lane. Who loves a good croissant? News. Now, this, here's the cool thing. Something happened because of which the world was changed for everyone in Brisbane City. Loon Croissant. And hey, wouldn't it be wonderful if next year we open up our newspapers and it says on the front, war in Ukraine and Russia, gone, ended. The declaration that something has happened because of which everything has changed. And here's what we discover in the words of the angel. We've got news here. A declaration that something has happened because of which everything has changed. Everything can change for you. Now, here's why this is important. I think it's important because I think a lot of people think of Christianity and the Christmas story not as news but as advice. I love what Tim Keller says about advice. You'll see it on the screens up there. He says, advice is counsel about what you must do. News is a report about what has already been done. Advice urges you to make something happen. News urges you to recognize something that has already happened and to respond to it. Advice says it is all up to you to act, but news says that someone else has acted. And here's the cool point. Christmas is good news, not advice. It's good news, not good advice. The story of the Christian message, the purpose of the Christmas message is not to communicate to you things that you must do to get yourself sorted. It's news about what God has done in Jesus to sort us out into relationship with Him. When asked what he thought was unique about Christianity in all the world religions, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, grace. Why? Because he understood that the message we all need to hear is not about how humanity can fix themselves up to make themselves right with God, but that there is a God who would kneel down, condescend himself and meet us where we're at. It's not, a, it's not advice. It's not a way for which we can fix ourselves. It's news about what God has done. And to use Jesus' language, he has come. It's good news. Second thing, and here's how. For all people. Question for you. Have you ever noticed that most good things are just for some people in life? Remember growing up and going to Wet n Wild. Couldn't sleep the night before, too excited. And I was about eight years old, sitting out about 109 centimetres tall, and I approached the front of the Grand Canyon line. And I was like, today's a day for me to show off my courage, you know, to show that I've got steel in my spine and go down this dark tunnel of a ride. Get to the front of the line, and they say, oh, sorry, mate, 110 centimetres. You can't come. This isn't for you. Gutted, shattered, all my hopes of declaring and demonstrating my courage, gone. I think recently of the housing market here in Brisbane. If you're from Melbourne or Sydney, you're the reason for the pain that most Brisbaneites are experiencing right now. But to have a house here in Brisbane, I need that one, buddy. I'm so sorry. Here, take this. There you go, Arthur. Great. Draw me a picture. Thank you. To own a house here in Brisbane, you need a certain wage bracket, am I right? 
And there's a whole host of young adults between the ages of 19 to 30 right now who are experiencing pain and anxiety because they can't break into a market which would give them the stability and security they need to pay for the and love on the families that they've been given. And here's the thing. So many good things are just for some people. Wet and Wild, when I was eight years old, the housing market, now that I'm a bit older. Recently, Taylor Swift announced in early November that she was doing some shows. A pre-sale went online. 14 million people tried to buy tickets that day. 2.5 million people got those tickets. Only some people were able to access the tickets. Most things in life are just for some people. And you access them by virtue of demonstrating this capacity or quality or characteristic or earning that makes that thing available to you. But that treats, put it like this, imagine if that's the way you think about Christianity. Then you probably think that there's something in you that you need to tilt, inflect, change, refine, and perform a way so that you might make yourself acceptable to God, treating it like advice again. But when you treat it like advice, you actually make it subject to be available only to a few people. But if it's good news and it's available to all, it's just about receiving it. Now, some of you today walked in thinking that Christianity was just good advice and you think it might be advice about sort of living a better moral life. The kinds of people who think like this are those who say, I want to send my kids to a Christian school or go to church so they'd have the right morals. Nothing wrong with morals, that's fine. But if you think Christianity is about that, then you're probably here in this moment thinking, oh, am I moral enough for God? Maybe you walked in here this afternoon and you thought that Christianity is just good spiritual advice, that it gives you what you need to tap into this spiritual thing called Christianity. And if you're sitting here right now thinking, well, if that's the case, there's every chance you might disqualify yourself from being spiritual enough. A lot of people think that Christianity is just another intellectual exercise, changing our ideas about God. In which case, you think it's advice about how to change those ideas. But then you completely narrow the effect it can have on different kinds of people. And here's the declaration of the angel. It's for all people. It's for everyone. That you don't need to be spiritual enough. You don't need to be moral enough. You don't need to be intellectual enough. That if you walked in here thinking, man, am I, am I righteous enough for God? That's not even a possible question to ask. Am I spiritual enough for God? It's not even a possible question to ask. Am I, am I smart enough for God? It's not even a question you can ask because it's about what He's done in Jesus, the news that we're declaring for all people. It's news, not advice. It's for all, not just for some. And here's why all of that is possible. Because at a baseline, Christianity is not just for those some who figured out how to fix themselves. It's for all those who acknowledge that they can't. And we know this because of what the angel declares to them. And that word is saviour. Saviour. That at Christmas time, we're not looking at a worldview. We're not thinking about a new religious experience to have. We're looking at a person named Jesus who is our saviour. Now, there's a trouble with this word because it's very humbling when you come to recognise Jesus as saviour. You know those gifts you can receive at Christmas time that are sort of like a backhanded compliment? You receive them and you kind of feel like someone's communicating to you that you need to fix some part of yourself. I'll give you an example. Imagine you go to your in-laws. Let's use that as an example. Good little framework here. You go to your in-laws' place for Christmas and they give, each of them give you books, three books. You open up one of them and it's Sarah Wilson's I Quit Sugar. 
You're like, oh, okay, they think I need to exercise, diet a bit, no worries. Okay, thank you very much, family-in-law. You open up the next book. I'm just going to take this away. Wow. (laughs) You open up the next book, and the book's from Scott Pape, Barefoot Investor. And they're like, oh, you just think, I clearly think I need to budget a bit better. You open up the third book, and it's Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And basically, you're thinking, oh, they think I've got a low EQ, no self-awareness. In other words, you leave Christmas lunch that time battered and bruised because you think that your family thinks of you, you're irresponsible with money, you're self-unaware, and you're a bit chubby. That'd be a hard gift to receive. Now, that illustrates something that I think I want to unpack just for a moment. There's something hard about receiving the gift of a saviour. Because receiving him means that you need to acknowledge that there's something from which you need saving. And the question that begs is what? And here's what I discovered 15 years ago. I was the kind of guy who thought deeply but not well about life. The kind of guy who thought that the way we live our lives actually had meaning to it, but I had no story, no context, no worldview within which to couch that sense of experience. But then I heard this beautiful story, I'll tell it really quickly, that God made us for good. Relationship with Him and relationship with one another. That our horizontal relationships with humanity and creation should reflect the vertical relationship we've been made for with God. But that humanity turned their backs on God. And that has echoed its way down through history. It's called sin. We turn away from God, we tarnish relationship with one another, and we inflict our own brokenness and shame and death upon creation completely fractured this world, completely fractured ourselves, because of which we now in the 21st century are not immune from sin, we find ourselves experiencing sin. None of what I'm saying applies to the front row. I hope I have some Bible left after this talk. Have you ever felt that something's not right with the world? Have you ever felt that you've maybe written a law for yourself to keep, but you didn't keep it? Have you ever wanted someone just to come and fix it all? Internally? Externally? Sin. Something we're victim to? Something we're criminals of? It's a biblical story. Now, if Christianity is good advice, then here's what you've got to do. Fix yourself. Choose the moral category. Lord, I just need to pick myself up by my moral bootstraps and maybe you follow the life of Jesus, try and emulate him well, and how's that go? A lot of pressure. Maybe it's spirituality. You've got to have the right experience. Maybe go on a meditation retreat and sort of make sure you put margin in your work calendar so you can become the right kind of person along the way and high bar. Maybe it's about intellect. And you've got to do some philosophical digging, you know? Get into the meat of the topics and that's all wrong. Christianity is not good advice about how you can fix yourself morally, spiritually, intellectually. It's news about a saviour that's been born. And here's the beauty of what the angel says to you. And the question I want to ask this afternoon is, have you ever received that baby? Have you ever received that king? Have you ever received Jesus? I was chatting with someone two weeks ago 
who became a Christian this year, and I asked her, I said, how do you feel now that you're about to step into your first Christmas knowing Jesus? They became a Christian this year. And she said, I haven't really thought about it, but I really need to. Now, Christmas is two weeks away. The invitation we want to give right now is for all of us, actually, to perhaps make this the first Christmas where it's not just culture you're enjoying, not just presents under a tree, all wonderful things, but actually you know the reason for the season. Let me recite the words of the angel. Good news of great joy for all people, a saviour. Good news of great joy for all people, a saviour. None of us are disqualified from that. All are invited to come. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand and I'm going to make an invitation for those in the room who've never met Jesus, never come into a relationship with God, to say yes to that relationship. And the way that we do that's quite simple. We simply say, sorry, God, for turning my back on you, living in sin, whether victim to it or perpetrator of it, living in sin. Thank you for what you've done in Jesus. You came for me, showed your love to me, died on my behalf and rose again so I could be united with you. Please come into my life. Change me, remake me, make me yours. That's the prayer. And it's the prayer that everyone who's in this room who calls himself a follower of Jesus would have prayed at some time. Why? Because that's the posture of the Christian life. God, I'm sorry, I've stuffed up again. God, thank you for Jesus. Please help me follow you. God, I'm sorry, thank you please. And so can I invite you to stand? And as you stand, the band are going to come up behind me. We're going to sing in a moment. And I'm going to make an invitation for you to receive and respond to Jesus. But to do that, just to cultivate a space within which we all feel comfortable doing so, I just want to ask everyone in the room to close their eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to jump out at you or whatever. It's all normal. This is fine. We do this every week in church, actually. So just close your eyes. And I want to ask, if as I've been speaking, you've been sitting there and perhaps for the first time you're thinking, I think this is true. I think this could be real. I want to invite you just to raise your hand. So why don't you do that right now? Raise your hand, nice and high, so we can all see them. Thank you. I see a hand up the back. I see a hand down the front. I see two hands down the front. Really helpful. Thank you. Raise them nice and high, because we've actually got a gift for you this evening. So we want to see who's in the room that is responding in this way. So thank you. We've seen those hands. And just with every eye closed, every head bowed, I still want to make some space, because I think there might be one or two more people, actually. You're sitting here and you're thinking, I think this is true. I want to follow Jesus. I want to meet this God who made me for himself. I want to step into this relationship. So if that's you, just raise your hand nice and high. I've seen three people raise their hands so far. I see another hand. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I see one more just up on the balcony. Thank you so much. That's two more. So encouraging. So wonderful. Thank you. And in the moment, right now, we're just going to pray together. Right now, you're receiving a gift from us. It's a Bible. And that's our gift to you, totally free. Take it, read it, enjoy it. We call it the Word of God. It nourishes our soul. That's our gift to you. But right now, we just want to create a space where we can actually pray that first prayer. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, we're going to pray that together. 
And if you're a Christian in the room, why don't you pray along with me? We're going to pray out loud just in the same way we'd sing a carol all together. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father in heaven, sorry for living my life separate from you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for coming for me, for loving me, for chasing me down. Please help me follow you now. The old is gone, the new has come. Help me follow after Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the Bible literally says that when people make a decision to follow Jesus, angels party. And I think we could participate in that party for just a moment. So can we, if you're a Christian in the room, just congratulate those who've actually prayed what could be their first prayer. Here's the cool thing about what's just happened. It's not magic. It's not mythical. It's just the start of a conversation that you get to keep happening. And here's the people that you get to keep happening, having it with. Jesus in prayer and his church right beside you. And so you've got this Bible in there's a way by which you to take next steps and connect with us as a wider church. But maybe there's someone in your pew that you want to talk with what you've just done. Go for it. In the meantime, though, we've got some carols to sing. And hasn't it been beautiful so far? We're going to continue. And as we do, maybe you needed that reminder. Some of these carols are just that bit different to sort of pull us out of the over-familiarity that we have at this time of year. That's intentional. And so as we sing these, man, let's make it worship. Let's sing together. Let's lift the roof off this place and be family as we sing. So let's sing. Let's sing.